uh, undervaluing how much I like to talk. That's fair. Hello and welcome to JudgeCast. This is episode 179. I am one of your hosts, Brian Prilliman, and I am joined with my two commanding co-hosts. <laughs> Hi, this is Jess. And this is Brogan. Yes, and today we're going to be talking about Ixalan spoilers. Um, all yeah, we're going to be talking all about them. We're going to be going through the uh, uh, the the release notes for them and talking about them. It's a it's kind of weird. They're doing something different this time. They're not releasing it in packs. Uh, they're releasing it in boxes that I guess you can just go and buy, and you get all the cards in in, in a single box. Um, and uh, you are such a troll. <laughs> you're, I was say, you're taking this really far. No, no, he well, does. He does that. He does that. You should, you should hear it when he starts talking about Power Rangers jokes. No, no, no. It's because I know that a lot of people are going to be disappointed because a lot of the promo materials made it look like there were going to be like dinosaurs and pirates, but it doesn't really look like there's going to be a lot of either of those in 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 Ixalan. Um, but so, but I wanted Vraska on a pirate ship. Where where's my Vraska on a pirate ship? Uh, a, I I don't know. I mean, I guess you're going to have to do something like play a Vraska and like use like a a Meboid changeling to change its type to pirate ship if that's still a type. <laughs> Summon ship. You are trying too hard. <laughs> He hard. is Brian too hard. Okay, uh, so no, we're not actually going to be talking about the Ixalan uh, uh, spoilers. Uh, we're going to be talking about Commander 2017. Um, so the set is coming out soon. Uh, release notes hit uh, last week, late last week, and as is our way here on JudgeCast, we are going to go over some of the interesting cards from the new release. Um, and all judges love Commander, right, guys? Uh, <laughs> no. No, that's no. not true at all. No. <laughs> not, not that. That's, <laughs> It'd be the that's perfect a place. stereotype. <laughs> that's, that's... I love no. playing bad cards in Commander. I love playing bad cards in Commander. Just when you're doing the editing, that would be the perfect place to put the cricket sounds. <laughs> so, we're, we're going to be talking about, we're going to be talking about Commander, um, and so what is Commander? Uh, people might not be uh, familiar with it. Um, so co- the Commander format, as a, as a quick summary, it's a 100-card singleton format, meaning you can only play a single copy of any card, excluding uh, basic lands. Um, it is. It used to be called uh, Elder Dragon Highlander. Uh, the Highlander part, uh, for those of you who remember uh, good and bad movies, from the 80s and 90s, uh, there was a movie called Highlander, whose tagline is, there can be only one. Uh, I've never there's seen a whole Highlander. series. Uh, there was a very good series on US, the, the, the network USA. There was an awful Highlander 2 movie. Uh, that That's all I'm going to say about that, uh, was that it was bad. Um, Should I watch it? No, it's not bad in the good way. Oh, uh, okay, yeah. okay. I mean, it's, it's bad in the bad. It's not bad in, like, the Sharknado way. It's, oh no! Right, it's bad in a bad way. It's bad in a bad way. Like especially if you liked the first movie, because you watch the second one, you're like, oh, oh. Disappointment. It, anyway. Yes. Okay. So uh, there is a special band list. Um, there's actually two different band lists. Uh, 
Commander can be played either um, – it's meant to either be played in a multi multiplayer format uh, or there's also a 1v1 uh, format that's, that's more competitive. But the goal of Commander, or at least as, as, it's, as it's evolved, is more of a social game where you sit down and the object is not to win as fast as possible but have fun, make big spa- splashy plays – create experiences and tell stories. At least that's the goal. Uh, your mileage may vary. Um, yeah. Uh, there is one card in your deck, so out of those out of those hundred cards, you will have one card that is your commander. Uh, this is... What is special about this card is it actually does two things. One is it sets the colors of your deck. It has a color identity, which is all the various mana symbols, uh, the colors of mana symbols on your cards. And those, uh, mana symbols kind of set the, the colors for which, uh, you can have cards in your deck. So if your commander is a mono blue commander, all of your cards are either colorless or, uh, or blue. They can't have, uh, they can't have a, a non-blue mana symbol in their, in their cost. So no, like using ghost fire or something like that. If your commander is all five colors, then you can run everything. If your commander is, uh, one of the Eldrazi, then you're going to be restricted to mostly a colorless deck. Uh, what's also special about this commander is he sits over in, uh, the command zone, which is a zone that doesn't really do anything in any other game other than commander. Your commander sits over there and you can, did you, did you, uh, you were talking about the color. Did you specify between color and color identity? Uh, okay. So yeah, there is a, there is a a bit of a difference between color and color identity. So it's the Memnarch rule really. Right. So certain, certain cards will have, um, uh, let's say the creature is a blue creature, but it has an off color activation. Like it has like a green tap. Uh, its color identity would be blue and green, meaning you can have blue and green cards in your deck, but you can't have a red card because that's not part of the color identity of. So, yeah, uh, it doesn't in- have to be. It doesn't have to be in your in the cost. It can be as long as that color is part of the abilities of the card. Right, right. And for and further, it's yeah, it's it's one of the activated abilities. Basically, that mana symbol, like a red mana symbol, can't be. Anywhere on your card, uh, right? Like so it works both ways. If it's in, if it's if your commander has that color, that that mana symbol anywhere on the card, your deck is basically that color. And if you any of your cards have that symbol anywhere on the card, well, it better be on your commander's card. Uh, like I can't play a, a forest in my red white commander deck because it makes green mana, even though it's not a green card. Exactly. Yeah. So the commander starts the game in uh, what's called the command zone. So you're going to shuffle up your your 99 cards. Um, your commander kind of lives, if you want to think of it as like Achilles in his tent, uh, over to the side. He's uh, uh, your, yeah, your commander's over there uh, sulking in oh. in their tent. Uh, yeah, there's a, a and then you can cast your commander from the command zone as though uh, it was in your hand. Um, if it if it leaves the battlefield for any reason, like if it's exiled or it dies or it gets bounced to your hand or shuffled back into your library, you have the choice to instead put it back in the command zone. Every time, and you can uh, recast is that, it. Is that a 
Is that a change from previous rules? Uh, I, I thought that if it went to the library, uh, you didn't have yeah, that option. They, they changed it is, that. It, they changed it a couple of years ago. Oh, okay. That shows how much I pay attention to commander rules. <laughs> yeah, it's they got they got rid of the the whole tuck thing. Yeah, they got rid of that. Um, yeah, because, because people thought it was super super unfun. It is super super unfun. I'm actually really glad they got rid of it. Yep. Um. So anytime you cast it, so after the first time. Uh, you cast your commander out of the command zone. The second, third, fourth time, it gets more expensive by two generic mana. So if your if your commander normally costs red red, the second time you cast out of the command zone, it'll be two red red, and then four red red, and so on. Um, the other thing that's unique about commander is that you start at forty life as opposed to twenty. And really, in a nutshell, that's commander. I mean, there's there's like a few other things involving uh, uh, commander damage. Uh, <laughs> general damage is really quite specific. Um, huh. Yes. General uh, damage. General damage is really specific. Um, if you take 21 points of, of combat damage from a single commander, then you lose the game, regardless of how much life total you have. So that is kind of a check on these, these decks that are designed to, to gain infinite life. Uh, there is still a way to you know, get through them with your 2-2 commander or your 4-4 commander. A couple of interesting things about that. Uh, first of all, uh, it it doesn't have to be under the same player's control. If somehow your commander's control is swapping around the table and everybody's punching <laughs> the same guy with it, uh, that counts as commander damage. And it's uh, still the same commander. Exactly. And... and the other, the other side of that is it has to be just one commander uh, and the damage that it deals, uh, and it doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be like the same instance of the commander. Like generally speaking, in Magic, there's uh, there's the generally rule about uh, there's there's this whole thing about how objects don't remember, um, you know, that they're that when they would change zones, they don't remember what they were before. In, in this case, the game tracks the card. Uh, the, that commander card and, and whether it's dealing damage, and it has to be combat damage. Yep. Oh, if it was like if you could ping somebody to death, like, that would be, would be amazing. That would be absurd. Also, uh, if someone steals your commander and they deal twenty-one points of damage to you with your own commander, uh, they not only win uh, kill you, but they also win the entire match and the evening as well, just for bragging points. They do not. That's not a rule. That's uh, that's a April House rule. Uh, you you will die, uh, but none of the other stuff happens. If you kill somebody with their own commander, it is in the comprehensive rules that you get to stand up and fist pump the air and and uh, take a victory lap around the table. Right, <laughs> right a, after you, just right get after to... you use gather to, or right after you use the the tournament locator to find your next event. Well. Well, when you take the victory lap around the table, okay, make sure that at the the venue that you're at, the table isn't up against the wall, because then you won't be able to actually take a lap all the way around, and you'll just look silly. So just be sure to to look at that first. Plan accordingly. Yes, plan plan your victory lap. Plan your rub ins accordingly. Yeah, to high five everyone else in the store. Okay, so anyway, so we're we're getting lots of new cards, right? We get to and they got modern frames, so we get to play them. We're in modern, I will, right? I will jam them all into my standard deck. Yeah! Except the other thing. <laughs> However, you can play them in Vintage and Legacy. Okay. Which is sweet. 
So they're they're only vintage and legacy playable. Okay, also commander. Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> the thing. They're they're not legal in in modern or standard. I just wanted I just wanted to double back on that and make sure that people knew that I was joking about the modern frame thing being in modern. Now. No modern, no standard, vintage cards, legacy cards. Uh, historically, these sets have shaken up legacy a little bit. So, uh, talking to you, true name nemesis. Mm-hmm. And uh, Council's Judgment. Council's that's Judgment. Uh, that's actually no, that's a that's a conspiracy card, but it's a supplemental but, set. Uh, yeah. I, I know there there are a few here and there that have really shaken things up. Um, Flusterstorm. Flusterstorm. Yeah, Flusterstorm was a commander set, right? Yep. Um, there there have definitely been a few. Uh, I think at least one from every year they've done this. So uh, I, I don't know what it'll be from this set. But probably something. Yeah, I'm, I I don't really have any speculation on that, but I'm curious. So, so the new cards, the new cards are are legacy and vintage legal. What about the other cards? Am I restricted to only playing them in like the not new cards? If it's legal in the format that, if it's a reprint and it's legal in whatever format, it's legal in that format. Oh, right. I, for example, for example, uh, you know, Terramorphic Expanse is printed in some of these decks, and that card is is uh, legal in modern, uh, and you can play it in modern even if you have the version that comes from the commander decks right i'm cool. trying i'm trying really hard to find a standard card and i'm failing uh i think terrific expanse actually might be the most recently printed but i'm not actually 100 percent sure of that the dragon deck has now. islands <laughs> lol oh sweet i can play islands um okay Anything else we need to know about Commander or these decks? I, I think I think we're uh, we're ready to talk about the new stuff, the new news. Uh, yeah, it's, it's the 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 thing I think is cool about these particular Commander decks uh, is that the the decks themselves are tribal and gives them kind of an identity that I think some of the previous sets maybe didn't have. Um, and those tribes are dragons, wizards, vampires, and cats. So that what that means is that if you pick up the dragon deck, you'll have a bunch of dragons and or dragon-themed cards in it, and the same for wizards, vampires, and cats. Um, so I'm excited about that, because that means that I get to play a deck that's just absolutely full of, of vampires, which are which are you know fast creatures that end the game quickly in Magic. <laughs> I, I see you, like, attacking for damage, Jess. Yes. Also, there's... So, okay, so here's the thing. There's also an Edgar Markov in the deck, right? Um, who is like the progenitor of of being a vampire on Innistrad? So there's a little bit of the story, the flavor thing that I really enjoy there, um, and uh, the cards flavor goes along really well with that because it's got this new ability called Eminence, um, and Eminence says uh, on on Edgar Markov it says that uh, whenever you cast another vampire spell. If it's in the command zone or on the battlefield, you get to create a 1-1 vampire. And I think that's very, very flavorful. Um, he makes vampires whether he's around or not. If, if he's around or uh, if he's even <laughs> remotely around. Right. Um, but uh, eminence is an ability word, which means it doesn't have any rule text that's inherently attached to it, but it's always got something that's going to go along with it. In this case, the whole like uh, being on the battlefield or the command zone. So there are cards that have eminence. Um, in this in this new uh, commander set, but eminence doesn't inherently mean anything on its own. Right, 
right? If it just had the word eminence, that wouldn't do anything. There are infinity cards that just do have that, but but it wouldn't do anything. Um, all of the cards that have eminence are legendary creatures so that they can be your commander, uh, and they have an ability that functions in the command zone or the battlefield. Some of them are triggered abilities like this one, and some of them are static abilities then that uh, that just kind of are true all the time. I, I have a question about uh, Edgar Markov. Um, so here, here's just a, fl- a flavor question. Um, I, I honestly think he came to Earth uh, because he looks a lot you like... Yeah, I was about to say he came uh, no, to no, no. Earth. He came to Earth because he looks a whole lot like that the, the painting of Vigo the Carpathian from Ghostbusters 2. I have no Wrong idea crowd. what you're talking about. Jeez. Wrong crowd. <laughs> Somebody come in and back Brian up on this. Twitter. Wah, wah, wah. Twitter, please. Please help me out on this. Please. Oh. All right. Uh, so I have a question for you, actually. Uh, let's say that uh, the active player has Edgar Markov on the battlefield and casts Vampire Nighthawk. And in response... Uh, one of their opponents casts Path to Exile, uh, targeting Edgar Markov. And the active player chooses to put Edgar Markov in the command zone. Uh, will the active player get a vampire token? You asking me or you asking Brian? I'm asking Brian, asking Mr. Ghostbusters over here. Oh, okay. Well, um, he, d- it depends when he, when he gets exiled, he's, he's going to, uh, uh, put his soul into a baby. Um, Whoa! More Ghostbuster Two reference. Come on. Um, no. Okay. So the answer is no. Uh, so uh, Edgar Edgar changed zones. He changed his Edgar suit. Um, <laughs> does that does that funny. work? Is is a Men in Black reference more contemporary? <laughs> yeah, I like okay. it. It is. It is. He's wearing an okay. Edgar suit. He's wearing an Edgar suit. He's got his. <laughs> um, no, he changed zones. Uh, he's a new object. So the trigger, specifically what happens is it says the trigger is if uh, if Edgar Markov is in the command zone or on the battlefield, that's that's kind of a clause. And you look at it and you say, well, now Edgar's – he's in the command zone. So when the trigger goes to resolve, uh, he's in the command zone. So that, that works, right? Yeah, but he's not the same Edgar. He's wearing a different Edgar suit. He's wearing a different right, – he's wearing an Edgar suit. He's wearing an Edgar suit. So, so the when the trigger goes on the stack – it's looking. It's going. It's basically saying, "Okay, I'm looking for this Edgar, and he's on the battlefield, or he's in the command zone, wherever Edgar is. It's looking for him. And if he goes somewhere else, that trigger is going to look for him in the same spot that it began with, and it's not going to find him. So you you don't in this particular guy right here. It's it's yeah. He went somewhere else. <laughs> it's it. Although it may look like he's there, it's a different person. It's a different Edgar. The word Edgar has now... a different now... unique legendary creature that looks exactly the same and has the same text. The word Edgar has now lost all meaning in my head. <laughs> really? Yeah. You know how if you say this, like, for me, like, if you say the same word multiple times, that word suddenly stops feeling like a word? Does that uh, not happen to anyone else? Just, if you say it like the, 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 char- the Edgar character's wife, who would just like, wait, what are you doing there, Edgar? If you say it in if you say it in that tone, it it regains its meaning. Oh, okay. He's so he's just he's just chilling in the command zone drinking his sugar water. Huh. Gross. Um. All right. Yeah, I so missed that movie. I'm gonna co- collect some alms. Uh, so alms collector. 
Um, this is a card that immediately the first when people saw it, they're like, this doesn't work with the rules and the uh, I don't know if either of you also saw that happening on the Internet. It's a little bit. Uh, I did not. Um, yeah, I did so, not. But this was a thing. People were freaking out about it. Yeah, so Alms Collector. It's a 3-4 uh, for 3 and white with Flash. It is a cat cleric. Uh, if an opponent would draw two or more cards, instead, you and that player each draw a card. Uh, so people looked at okay. that and said, that doesn't work because every instance of drawing cards... Is, is is individual. So even if I'm drawing three cards, I'm still drawing one card, then one card, then one card. Um, so in this case, uh, this is a replacement effect that applies to instructions to draw more than one card. Um, right. And that happens before any other replacements would uh, apply to the individual cards that you draw. Um, so if you cast Divination... And you're like, aha, I'm going to dredge. And then you're like, wait, uh, what do I do? Um, can you, can, can you, you cast divination and I flash in cat divination. Cat divination? <laughs> um, Sorry, my bad. So <laughs> I like cat divination. Um, so I think what you're saying is that the, uh, that the, the cat divination applies before you, my opponent gets the chance to dredge in that case. In which case, there's only uh, one opportunity to draw a card. Does that make sense? Yeah, um, I think it makes sense. Uh, now, to note about this, uh, I think, is that that uh, it can change the total number of cards that are drawn. Now, with two cards, it makes sense. They get one, and I get one. But what if it's three cards or five cards? They get one, and I get one, and that's it. Yeah, yep. that's fair. I like it. Uh, what happens if I if I have an alms collector, and Jess has an alms collector, and we each draw two cards. Or you each play a spell that, or there's a, an effect that has you both drawing two cards? Yes. Well, um, we get into an infinite loop, and <laughs> uh, the game no. is... No. No, okay. We don't actually get into an infinite loop. What happens is, is the replacement effect for each collector is going to apply. Uh, so, so you're going to draw two cards... Um, or, or what is it? You said you said you and Jess, right? Jess and, Jess and I are each okay. instructed to draw two cards. So, so what's going to happen is uh, Brogan's drawing of the two cards is going to be replaced with her drawing one and Jess drawing one, and Jess is drawing a card. Two cards is going to be replaced with Brogan drawing one and Jess drawing one. So the net result is they both get two cards. <laughs> nothing, nothing changes. Right, but if it was uh, like three cards or four cards or something like that, then they're both going to get two cards. Um, this also doesn't apply when something says like put whatever into your hand. It, you're you're not drawing those cards, so this never happens. A fun a fun thing that can happen where this really shines, I think, is when an effect instructs all of the players at the table to draw multiple cards. Uh, so, so if I have an alms collector and somebody casts a spell that makes everybody draw two cards, then everybody will instead draw one card and I will draw two, my two cards plus one for every player, player that at the table. Now I'm just picturing cats like hiding things under the couch and that's, that's this, like what this card is doing. It's like, oh, (laughs) 
<laughs> I, I brought you this and then hid it under the couch. And then I forgot it was there for three months. Yeah. See, I, I guess I'm more I'm more negative since I don't really like cats in general. I just kind of see this cat as just like you put something on the counter and the cat just stares at you and then knocks it over and then wha- whaps <laughs> it onto the floor. Right. Oh, oh, you want five cards? Oh, this is a nice five cards you've got here. Whack. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we got any more cats to talk about right now? Uh, maybe. Oh, we have um, a Rahobo. Uh, a Robo, a Rambo. We have Rambo. You have an Amiibo? This is have, when did this come a Nintendo a, podcast? I have, we have an a Aurora, robot. I have an Aurora Borealis, uh, Roar of the World, which is a cat, which is three green white for a legendary creature cat avatar, cavatar, um, cavatar. This guy's, this guy, it's, just, it's it's a Robro. He's he's a bro. He's a Robro. A Robo. Yeah, he's. Isn't that um that company that makes gummy bears? Haribo. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, it is. Okay, so <laughs> Haribo roar of the of the world, um, cat avatar. Uh, it's five five with imminence. At the beginning of combat on your turn, if Haribo roar of the gummy. Uh, gummy bears is in your command zone or on the battlefield uh, another target cat creature you control gets plus three plus three until end of turn and i really hope we get some gummy bear altars out of this uh, that, would be, that would be that would be amazing I'm, I'm i'm i would play commander with this as a, as a commander with with haribo what did you call it haribo roar of the gummy bear roar of the gummy bear i really i played a a game of modern once using uh saltwater taffy as counters oh man awesome it was i would eat my counters i would eat my counters. i had to i had to i had to hand them out to people as they were removed that was yeah it was good all right i mean can i get can i can i also play dr pie network with this one, so I can use food for tokens. Yes, I'm ready. Nah. It's Commander Man. It's whatever, whatever the group will allow, right? Um, okay. Uh, also has an ability that says, whenever another cat you control attacks, you may pay one green white. Um, if you do, it gains trample and gets plus X plus X until end of turn, where X is its power. So. Um, in that second ability, that, that ability that I just read, the value of X is determined when the ability resolves, not when it is uh, uh, when it is put on the stack. Uh, the second ability will trigger for each attacking cat. So if you are attacking with ten cats, uh, it will trigger ten times. You happen to have now, an extra thirty mana. If you well, it's commander, so you know. <laughs> Fair. Might happen. Um, so you can't pay – so the triggered ability is going to trigger 10 times, and so it's going to ask you 10 times, do you want to pay that, that three extra mana uh, for each cat? Uh, you can't pay uh, for the triggered ability multiple times for a single cat, um, and if uh, a cat uh, – uh, so you can't pay multiple times for a single cat, and if a cat enters the battlefield attacking, like the tokens from uh, Nakato War Pride. Uh, it won't cause Arabo Agraba. It won't cause Agraba's less last ability to trigger. Awesome. Arabo Arabo's he roll of the world. Awesome. All right. Now we need gummy bears with Aladdin. 
<laughs> oh, the, now I get cave, the cave of wonders is a giant cat head. It is. Right? Oh, it's it's him. He was here all along. Okay. Oh, they planned for this. Uh, oh. All right, yep, are yep. we? All right, are we ready to move on to the next card? We are. Yes. Okay. Cool. Um, all right. So the next card uh, is Boneyard Scourge. Scourge? How do you? Is that? I would say Scourge. 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 Okay. Scourge. Uh, scourge. Scourge. It's a scourge. See. Um. So Boneyard Scourge is a zombie dragon. Costs four mana. Two black black. It's a fourth move with flying, and it says whenever a dragon you control dies while Boneyard Scourge is in your graveyard, you may pay one black. If you do, return Boneyard Scourge from your graveyard to the battlefield. Uh, so, um, here are a couple things about this. This ability only triggers from the graveyard. What I mean by that is it has to be in the graveyard before that dragon creature dies. If it dies at the same time as the dragon creature, it won't uh, trigger because it wasn't already in the graveyard at the time. If it somehow leaves the graveyard and then goes back to the graveyard, it's a new object. Uh, it still won't come back. Um, all right. Now we're, we're returning to some vampires here uh, with Crimson Honor Guard. I, I, I gotta say, I really like the art on a lot of these vampires because they're just trying real hard to be edgy. Um, so this is a 4-5 with Trample for 3 Red Red. It is a Vampire Knight. It says, at the beginning of each player's end step, uh, Crimson Honor Guard deals 4 damage to that player unless he or she controls a commander. Uh, seems relatively straightforward. However, we would like to clarify uh, that this happens every on each player's end step, regardless of if you have a commander... And then it checks when you're, for your commander when it resolves. So if I if it's Brian's end step and he has a commander, uh, this triggers. And I'm like, eh, how about you don't have a commander? And then Brian gets to take four. What? Saddest of days. What? Um, unfortunately for, for you as the vampire friend here, uh, yes, this will also hit you. Um, oh no! Sad. Uh, vampire days to the vampire knights. <laughs> this ability would be significantly better if it was on a commander. <laughs> well, as as an added bonus, you can steal your opponent's commander until if you have something that says like you gain control of target creature until end of turn, uh, and you take your oh, opponent's man. commander. Uh, you can not take four. So what you're saying is I should... So if I'm going to take four damage anyway, that I should pay the four life to active aggression my opponent's commander? Just for... Just to show him what's up. To show, yes. him, the, to show him the business. <laughs> that is that is an actual act of aggression, right? Yes. <laughs> just take it. I made this. Um, Alright. Well, I would like to talk about uh, the next card, which I think is really goad. I I like it. <laughs> it's a goad co- card. Um, I think it's... Re- I gotta stop laughing at your jokes, Brian. It's encouraging me. It makes it worse. Um, so the this card is disrupt decorum for two red red. It's a sorcery that simply says goad all creatures you don't control. Now you might be wondering, uh, goad. Uh, so that is a a mechanic that I believe has only showed up in 
uh, previous commander sets, I think. Uh, um, and what goad means is until it's, it's normally you go to single creature and says until your next turn, um, well, actually, I'll just read you the reminder text on Disrupt Decorum. Until your next turn, those creatures, which would be all the creatures you don't control, those creatures attack each combat if able, and attack a player other than you if able. Um, so, when you cast Disrupt Decorum, uh, creatures that enter the battlefield after Disrupt Decorum has resolved, those those aren't uh, goaded. So, the goated. set of... Goated. It's the golden rule. Goated. It's the goaded rule. Are they? Are they? If I have said to you, did I get your goad? Start eating some garbage. Yes. <laughs> um. So the set of creatures that are goaded <laughs> have been goatified is set when disrupt decorum resolves. So that's the number of cre- the creatures that are in play. When it resolves, those are the number of creatures, those are the creatures that are goaded. Nothing that comes after. Um, creatures that are tapped or are summoning sick or creatures under some other effect that say they can't attack don't have to attack. And really that's about, oh, uh, if there's, <laughs> there's more text here. Um, if there's a cost associated with attacking, so a creature that has been goaded has to pay a cost in order to attack, you don't gotta attack with that creature. Um, if you, uh, can't attack any player, but can attack a planeswalker, you're going to be attacking that planeswalker. Um, now here's something, uh, goading doesn't expire with an attack. So if you have multiple combat steps during your turn, uh, then when you attack and you get another combat and that thing that uh, untaps, it's got to attack again. The goad doesn't expire. That's that's a weird sentence right there. The code doesn't expire. Um, and then, if a creature you control has been goaded by multiple opponents, it must attack one of your opponents who hasn't goaded it, uh, because that's going to fulfill the maximum number of goad requirements. All right, goad has lost all meaning in my mind. Is is it just goad? <laughs> yeah. Well, are you are you familiar with that Ice Age card, uh, Chub Goad? I am not. <laughs> um. I think you mean Chub Toad. I, uh, but no, I, I'm sure I mean. Toad I, I, I was gonna say, not having anything to do with Goad. I, I just look at this card. I see the art. It's clearly a dinner with a lot of people that are just fighting each other. It says dinner and politics don't mix in the flavor text. And all I can think to myself is, this has got to be. Election. This has got to be a snapshot of the White House Correspondence Dinner. Whoo! Uh, well, actually, Ooh. I thought it was. I thought it was pretty civil because. Um, there was a lot of people that didn't show up this this past year. A lot of people. Uh, a lot of people didn't show up. At any rate, uh, actually, there's a the person who came up with the flavor text for that card is a judge. Are they? Yeah. I did that. I don't know if uh, I don't know if this person has will has will wants me to say who they are, but uh, I know for a fact that it is a is a judge who came up with the flavor text for that card. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Neat. See. If you become a judge, all you listeners out there that are not judges, if you become a judge, you too can eventually, maybe, possibly <laughs> be the unnamed almost. judge who made some flavor text the commander set. Right, exactly. You're only as unnamed as you want to be. You would be one of the fortunate few who have the ability to do that. Hey. All right, well, that means we're going to talk about this next card. Fortunate few. 
because we are the poor and fortunate souls that have to that have to talk about these cards. You're you're really on the Disney mode right now. Hey, there's nothing wrong with Disney, okay? I agree. Nothing wrong with Disney. Um, okay, so fortunate few says it's a sorcery. It says choose a non-land permanent you don't control. Then each other player chooses a non-land permanent he or she doesn't control that hasn't been chosen this way. Destroy all other non-land permanents. So you, whoever cast this, you choose first when it resolves, then everyone else chooses in turn order. Uh, yes, they do get to know the previous choices that were made. You don't have to keep it secret or anything. You just choose. Uh, then once you start choosing... It's too late to respond, so you don't get to wait until everybody chooses and it gets around to you, and then be like, oh, "I'm going to counter that." It doesn't work that way, um, and it's too late to respond with with anything, whether it's a counter spell or regenerating a creature or anything like that. Things that are indestructible can be chosen, but they will not be destroyed. My merit lage. Right. Exactly. And then uh, yes. lands cannot be chosen, chosen, and won't be destroyed, even if. Uh, it is a creature land or an artifact land. You still have to choose a non-land permanent. So as long as it is a land, it is immune to being selected, which awkwardly makes it one of the fortunate few, even though it wasn't selected to be one of the fortunate few. <laughs> I, I'm not sure where that fits in flavor-wise, but I do love that the flavor text on this card is just, is it over? <laughs> That's actually what you say when you're done making all your choices and stuff, because everyone's <laughs> hemming and hawing when you cast it. All the, this, all the yeah, this card, this card seems terrible. <laughs> uh, well, this is not a goad card. Not no. a goad card. No, all right, I'm not. trying really hard how, to figure out how to turn like that into a segue into fractured identity, but I can't. So, so I'm you sorry. Use that as your segue. That's my segue. It's a meta segue. Um, so Fractured Identity is a sorcery for three white blue that says exile target non-land permanent. Each player other than its controller creates a token that's a copy of it. So it's like your thing goes away. All the rest of us get that thing. Um, so as with other copy effects, uh, it, the token is going to look like exactly what was printed on the permanent. Uh, modif- as modified by any other copy effects, but if your thing had counters on it or something like that, those aren't there anymore. It's literally just what was on the card. Um, if the thing you're copying had an X in its mana cost that like made it bigger, changed it in some way, that X is zero. So if you had a sweet Hydra that is a zero, zero, but you pay X to put counters on it, uh, sorry, we all get a bunch of nothing. Um, woo. Um, yeah. if my the, favorite, a bunch of nothing, my, my, my identity fractured into nothingness. Um, if the thing that you copied is a token, uh, the tokens that are created, uh, copy whatever the, all the characteristics of that token as stated by the effect that put it there. Um, I'm trying to think of an example of this. Anyone, uh, got, Examples for me. Uh, I think it's like if it creates if it creates a token that has haste, like the ability that created the token gives it haste, then uh, then the 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 copy the the tokens that are created would also have it. Uh, right. 
Um, if the thing that you exiled was somebody's commander, uh, you you don't suddenly have multiple commanders. Uh, they aren't. They don't have all the like. They don't deal commander damage. They don't do anything like that. They're they're just copies of. They 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 don't uh, make. Uh, What's that card I was talking about earlier? Crimson Honor Guard. Uh, it doesn't prevent that damage. Uh, yeah. So copy effects. Who's hungry? Oh, oh, sorry. I was I was over at the fridge uh, uh, getting getting some food because I'm hungry. Yeah. <laughs> oh, um, oh yeah. speaking of which, uh, so an apology for uh, last episode. There was apparently some sound quality issues, uh, which which apparently uh, Justin Brogan heard. I did not, and we figured out why after we finished recording what the problem was. Uh, it was it's my new refrigerator uh, interfered with uh, my headset. Yeah, um, it created some weird uh, clicking and occasional like hissing noises, uh, but that's that's okay. I don't I haven't heard anything like that today. Right. Well, I'm I'm sitting a, a good uh, fifteen twenty feet from the refrigerator now, so. There shouldn't be any buzzing or clicking or anything like that, unless it's some sort of giant insect in an Edgar suit. But <laughs> uh, so I do want to talk about Hungry Lynx. Yes, Hungry Lynx. Uh, it sounds adorable. like a sausage brand. I was thinking the same thing. Hungry Lynx. Mm, I'm gonna give me some Hungry Lynx. Yeah. It's dog food. <laughs> it's, I mean, I'm just imagining like it's like the box. It's like a lumberjack sells it or something like that. Yeah, it's like exactly. a man's breakfast is hungry links. Um, okay, so it's a uh, one one in a green for a two two cat uh, that looks like it's licking its lips and playing with a poor little little mouse. Um, and it has the text: "Cats you control have protection from rats." Um, at the beginning of your upkeep, target opponent creates a 1-1 black rat creature token with death touch. What? I'm giving my opponent a creature with death touch. Oh, that sounds sounds bad for me. But whenever a rat dies, put a plus one, plus one counter on each cat you control. This cat's so hungry. Yeah, it is so hungry. Um, so let's let's talk briefly about what protection is. Protection means normally four things. Uh... It means that, uh, so a creature, uh, cats have protection from rats. What that means is, uh, your cats cannot be damaged by rats. So that, the fact that those rats have death touch, it don't matter. Um, <laughs> your cats cannot be enchanted <laughs> by or equipped by rats. Um, so if you have a, a rat enchantment, um, <laughs> or a rat equipment, uh, like a tribal thing, um, you, you can't equip that on your cat. Uh, your cat cannot be blocked by rats, and your cat cannot be targeted by rat spells. So, so the, what the you're saying is... Or, or abilities from rats. So what you're saying is that, as an added benefit, your cats cannot be crib-swapped. Yes, because crib-swap has changeling. Which makes it a rat spell, spell. Which makes it a rat spell. I the minute you started saying like when you were like enchant I I was waiting for it and just the 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 way in which you explained that they can't be enchanted by rats was very very funny to me. You know, or or rat equipment. Yeah, I can't be equipped <laughs> by rats. Okay, 
Yes. So this this so so uh, any abilities of any rat permanents or rat spells uh, <laughs> can't target any of your cats. Now, what's what's kind of neat is this is actually an exception to a rule. So normally, when something says, um, you know, when it refers to a, you know, if let me see here how to how to phrase it. If I say a rat card, then I'm normally talking about like a spell on the stack or something like that. If I talk about a rat, I'm normally talking about a permanent on the battlefield. There is an exception, though, in the rules for protection that says when it says protection from quality, like protection from a rat, it's referring to that quality in any zone in any place. It doesn't have to be a permanent on the battlefield. Um, so neat, neat, obscure rule thing. Um one other thing, tokens that go to the graveyard, tokens do go to the graveyard before they cease to exist. So that, that trigger will trigger your, your rat tokens or your opponent's rat tokens when they bite it. They do go to the graveyard. So your cat is going, uh, that trigger is going to happen. Now, um, what will happen is if Hungry Lynx dies at the same time as the rats, the last trigger will still trigger, but Lynx is already in the graveyard. So it won't, it won't get the counter. So if if uh, if some rats die at the same time as Lynx taking two damage, maybe from like a pyroclasm or something like that, uh, the the last trigger is going to trigger, but Lynx, Hungry Lynx is still going to be in the graveyard. It doesn't suddenly go, oh, well, now I get the counter on it. Now it's a 3-3. Three, three. Now it's not dead from taking two damage. Yeah, Hungry Lynx went out of business. Yeah. So is 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 that it? Is it? Is it? Is it ready to go on to the is, next card? Is it? Is it? Is it? Is it? Is it? Is it <coughs> chemister? Oh, oh, got it. Is it chemister? Uh, it is. So the next card, is it chemister? Is a three mana goblin wizard with haste, and it has two abilities. The first one says, pay a red and tap and exile target instant or sorcery card from your graveyard, and the second one says, pay one and a red uh, and tap. And sacrifice is it chemister cast any number of cards exiled with is it chemister without paying their mana costs so this guy mixes them all up into a pot and then he blows himself up to cast them he's uh, uh i'm not going there okay so uh <laughs> okay those cards where, where were you going <laughs> don't worry about it um, Those cards. Gonna... If you want, if you want to know, please subscribe to our Patreon, where you get the, <laughs> the post-show conversation. Uh, I don't know if that's a good selling point, uh, Brian. Oh, is it? It's not. Oh. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, uh, cards are exiled face up when you exile them with Is It Chemistry, so everybody gets to see what they are, um, which can and very likely will make him a target as soon as he exiles something good. Uh, you can only cast cards that were exiled with this is it chemister. So when it becomes a target and then it dies and you cast another one, you have to start over. You can't cast the ones that were captured by the previous chemister. Uh, so you you also can't pay alternate costs for any spells that you've exiled with this chemister, but you can pay additional costs such as kicker. Um, if there is an X in the spell that is not specified somewhere on the text of the card, that X is going to be zero when you cast it with this chemister. Um, and you don't have to cast all the spells that were exiled this way, but you can't uh, leave them and then cast them later because is it chemister will be gone when you're done with this process. Uh, if you've got a bunch of spells that you're trying to cast with is it chemister, you cast them one at a time, 
but you cast them in any order. Uh, later spells can target earlier ones because none of them are going to resolve until you're done casting all of them. And so, so if you have a, a counter spell or something, if for whatever reason you wanted to, you counter an earlier spell on the stack that you've cast with Is It Chemistry? I'm trying to think of a circumstance in which you would want to counter your own spells. Uh, you know, so you don't want to. You probably wouldn't want to counter it, but you might want to twin cast something or reverberate. Uh, right, right, right. To, to kind of create a a a mirror of the previous things. A mirror, you say, uh, such as mirror of the four bears, not as in like there are four bears. Oh, <laughs> four bears. <laughs> that 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 would be just just right there. A mirror with just like four four bear cubs in it, or yeah. like two bear cubs and two moms, would be amazing. Mirror of the four bears. Yes. <laughs> uh, so mirror of the four bears says uh, it costs two. Uh, it is an artifact and says as mirror of the four bears enters the battlefield, choose a creature type, and it has an activated ability. You can pay one until the end of turn. Uh, Mirror of the Forebears becomes a copy of target creature you control of the chosen type, except it's an artifact in addition to its other types. Um, Once again, back to copy effects. The copies are what is the card as it is printed, as modified by any other copy effects. Um, So uh, once this ability resolves, it no longer has that ability until the end of turn. Um, However, you can... Uh, activate it, then activate it in response to itself, then activate it in response to itself. Uh, so if I want to activate it one time and turn it into something else, turn it into something, and while that's still on the stack, basically, it's ultimately going to end up as whatever you activated it for first, but you can do your stuff in between while you're, all the other ones are resolving. Uh, Jess, I think you were talking earlier about some examples of people doing similar things to this um, earlier, but I can't remember what you were talking about. about I'm, I'm not remembering mention. Uh, because you have, were talking about remember. Mirror Entity activating it in response to itself a million times. Oh, right. Before, actually, that was before the show started. I was talking about weird stuff with, with Mirror Entity. Uh, oh, yeah. It's, it's just another instance of something that you can activate. You're talking about stacking it, st- stacking it on top of itself a bunch of times? Yeah, and then just doing stuff yeah. in between. Yep, yep. Uh, that's a thing you can do. Uh, I'm not sure it'll help you that much at this card, though. I don't. I, I highly doubt it on in this particular circumstance. So well, so I, I play uh, a, a five color ED a commander deck with uh, Scion of Ur Dragon um, or your Dragon, you know, whatever. My dragon. Uh, who has who has a sim has a similar ability that it can become a copy of another dragon, mm-hmm. um, and what it does, and so what happens is if you want to say, if you've got three creatures that have activated abilities and you want to go through, you know, maybe they can only be used like once a turn or something like that and you want to, you want to go through, you can actually, you would use the mirror of the forebears to cycle through. So you would just put the three activations all in the stack, boom, 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 boom. And then as each one resolves, okay, now it's a copy of this. I'm going to use its ability. Now it's a copy of, now it becomes a copy of this. I'm going to use its ability. Now it's the last copy. And now it's a big creature because of its the the other stuff. And I can swing with it. That makes sense. It's, it's, it's kind of slick. And it's, it's one of these utility. I think, I think this is just going to be like one of those little utility cards that's going to sit out there. Um, For one mana, it's always going to be, uh, a copy of the best creature you have in a tribal deck. So there's going to be another copy of those for one mana. 
and then sometimes you'll be able to like chain some really awesome stuff. So I think this is going to be like a really neat card. That makes sense. Um, as a as a, another small note, um, if you use this ability the turn it enters the battlefield, while it still has summoning sickness, well, it doesn't have summoning sickness, but uh, it can't attack unless it becomes a creature with haste, because it just entered the battlefield. Uh, the next card that we're going to talk about is Marisil the Pretender. Uh, I think it's Marisil. Marisil? Marisil? Marcellus Wallace? Yeah, it's a, it's a mayor who sits on a windowsill. It's Mayor Sill. Mayor Sill. Uh, so, Marisil, I don't know. Uh, Marisil. Marisil. Uh, I'm just going to call him the captain because <laughs> he's doing a really good captain work. Or she, I, I can't tell. I don't know really anything good... about the history of this card. Does anyone else? Or not the, this no. character. I, I don't. Uh, but but he or she is got like a fu- a leg up, <laughs> really high on something. But anyway, Marisil. It's the new Olivia Vadaren. Uh, is is uh, yeah. one and then uh, Grixis, so blue, black, red for a four four, legendary creature, human wizard. When Marisil the Pretender enters the battlefield, you may exile an artifact or creature card from your hand or graveyard and put a cage counter on it. A Nicholas cage counter? Oh no. Uh, Yes. All these alter ideas. More, yeah. I was thinking more like a WWF like cage match. I, know, I mean, I love the Nicholas Cage counter because you can have so many different ones. You can be like, this is my American Treasure counter. This is my face-off counter. This is my Gun in 60 Seconds counter. Like, you have all these <laughs> would different your, would your face off counter? Would your face-off counter look like John Travolta? Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the minute you said face-off, I was like, it's a John Travolta counter. Yes. Anyway. Very <laughs> Marisol the Pretender has all activated abilities of John Travolta. Uh, no, has all the activated abilities of all cards you own in exile with a with cage counters on them. You may activate each of those abilities uh, only once each turn. Uh, so, uh, exiled cards are exiled face up, so your opponents uh, will be able to tell which ones have cage counters on them. Um, if an opponent gains control of Marisol. Uh, they will, they can use abilities of any cards they own with cage counters. So they don't get to, so if you've been exiling stuff, so if Jess has been exiling stuff and Brogan steals his, uh, his Marisil, All um, w- then Brogan will only be able to use activated abilities of, of stuff that she's exiled, which is probably nothing. So Marisil will just be a plain old 4-4. Um, now, uh, when you gain, when you gain the activated abilities, of these things, if the activated ability refers to the name of the card in the ability, what that really means is just this permanent. So Marisol would be able to activate those abilities. Um, uh, now this is kind of neat because of the wording on the card. So if Marisol dies and comes back, um, because the ability is saying that uh, the Marisol the Pretender has all activated abilities of all cards you own in exile with cage counters on them, you don't have that same memory issue that you had with uh, uh, Is It Kemster? Okay, like Is It Kemster? You were only able to cast the cards exiled with that Is It Kemster, but uh, Marisol has wordings that just looks for looks for those cards with counters. Um, I think that's super neat. It is, and here, here's one of the other kind of neat things. Um, if you look at these commander decks, uh, each one actually has like two or three cards that could be the general for the deck. Right. So if you if you liked one particular wizard more than the other, you could swap them out. So this works really well for a commander that you could constantly be bringing back. And getting more counters. Um, 
Yeah. This sadly now. doesn't have any interactions with Skullbrier. I really wish it did. But if you could get your Skullbrier into the exile zone with this, <laughs> then you could have a cage counter. You could have a Nicholas cage counter on your Skullbrier for just the rest of the game. <laughs> Skullbrier doesn't have an activated ability, right? No, but but that doesn't matter. It could still get a cage counter. <laughs> oh, and it would just have the cage, the Nicholas cage counter on it for the rest of the game because it keeps. Yeah, all no matter where it goes. It's all of his counters. You just always need a Nicholas Cage counter. Right. So that, I wonder what a Skull, like, if there's any, like, sort of combination of counters that a Skullbriar hat could have that would be cool. You know, like, there's song counters and verse counters and gold (laughs) counters. I wonder if it's just a golden Skullbriar. Well, you know, just, I wonder, hmm. Anyway. It's 99 um, counters on Skullbriar now, 99 counters on Skullbriar. (laughs) And they're all different types. so yeah. if Marisol uh, exiles an equipment, um, it's going to have the attach ability, but activating it doesn't do anything. So, uh, I, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't attach, to, attach to anything. So sad. But my, um, but my rat equipment. Yeah. So, but, well, she's not a rat, or he is, isn't a rat, though, but we just gained the ability. Yeah. So, hmm. Um, also, if Marisol gets crew, uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> the note that I've got. I didn't even think about that. That's awesome. You can still crew her, but it doesn't do anything. It doesn't. Please it doesn't tell me that's just a it. quote from the like the actual release notes. No, I, no, it's it's not a quote because it says I, I couldn't tell if it was a he. Or, I, I just kind of figured with a name like Marisol, it was probably a she, even though it's kind of in a, a masculine pose. It, I was no, just really action. hoping it's, the release, release notes used to the says, words. Go ahead. Please tell me it says you can crew her. It, it says no. If, if Marisol has a crew ability, creatures can crew Marisol. It'll become an artifact creature, but its power and toughness remain unchanged. All right. Yeah. So, so Marisol is going to become a uh, uh, an artifact creature. Uh, now there is kind of a they made a they made a funny comment about uh, equipping. If Marisol has the equip ability, activating it won't cause anything to happen. Marisol doesn't become attached to a creature. They may remain friends. It does say that. They it may does. remain friends. <laughs> okay. Oh, that's so cute. So, so, oh man. Um, okay. Awesome. Okay. So, one last thing. Activated abilities that are also linked, uh, or sorry, act- activated abilities that are, that are, that are linked to another static ability, um, won't do anything normally. Like uh, Mirror of the Forebears, uh, had you choose a creature type, and then it had an activated ability that lets you copy uh, another creature if it had that same creature type. Since you didn't choose a creature when it came into play, that activated ability wouldn't do anything. However, in the case of Is It Kimster, where I have two activated abilities that are linked, then Maricel would be able to 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 take the full full advantage of um, is it Kimster's abilities? Yay! <laughs> That's that, that it a seems, lot. Yeah, wow. It's a okay. really complicated card. Yep. Yes, it, it's cool though. It's I like it a lot, and it gives me an excuse to have Nicholas Cage in my magic. 
And uh, that's what I spend all of my energy trying to figure out how to do. I don't know about you. <laughs> it's it's more like, you know, there's a difference between premeditated cage and opportunistic cage. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Jess, I w- I'm going to call you a Which- fiend. Hold on, uh, before we move into that, before we move into that, I gotta, okay, so the pictures going around of Nicolas Cage in the Superman suit in the pre-production for the Superman movie, would you consider that, what? you never, okay, so there are, uh, you know, like, eight years ago, nine years ago, they were trying to do a Superman movie, and Nicolas Cage was going to play Superman, Ooh. so there's straight up pictures online of Nicolas Cage with, like, long, greasy hair, in a Superman suit, Ugh. and I was going to ask whether or not that was that was opportunistic or premeditated cage, but <laughs> you don't premeditated cage. Yeah, well now now while you you go, I'm gonna I'm gonna seek out that uh, that picture and post in the. I I in fact that. just googled this. Uh, oh my god! All right, well <laughs> Jess, while you uh, talk about this card, I'm gonna do the same. Okay, um, so. Next card is Mathis Fiend Seeker. We're going to talk about Mathis Fiend Seeker. We're going to try to do it pretty quickly um, because it's not that bad. Uh, it's a vampire creature with menace. It says at the beginning of your end step, put a bounty con- counter. Oh, Boba Fett counters. Uh, bounty counter on target creature and opponent controls. For as long as that creature has a bounty counter on it, it has when this creature dies. Each opponent draws a card and gains two life. So, um... What's interesting about this, to me, is that when you put the bounty counter on a creature, it has that ability until uh, the bounty counter leaves it or it dies, which means that even if Mathis Fiendseeker leaves the battlefield, that ability stays in place. What that also means is that each opponent refers to the opponents of the controller of the creature. You don't want to go putting this on your own creatures, um, unless you want all of your opponents to draw cards. It's all part of my plan. You know what? Maybe you played that. That's a deck. That's an EDH deck, I'm told. Uh, So so anyway, if you you target the same creature across two end steps, it gets uh, double the triggers when it dies, which is good or bad. Probably good. And uh, there's another card that gives uh, bounty counters. It is. Yep. Yeah. Uh, So when it when it dies. Uh, if you use if you use Bounty Hunter to give a creature a bounty counter, when it dies, the trigger doesn't happen because Fiend Seeker is what gives the triggered ability. That uh, you can use Bounty Hunter to kill a creature Mathis has placed um, a counter on. Yeah, Bounty so that Hunter can, has that an that ability. That really tap. confusing. Yeah, Bounty Hunter has an ability that says tap destroy target creature with a uh, destroy target creature with a bounty counter. Uh huh. So this this is a bounty counter. Right, so that thing can kill Mathis bounty counter creatures, but just because it has a bounty counter on it doesn't automatically mean you get the Mathis ability. Yes. Right. All cows are mammals. Not all mammals are cows. So awkwardly, the bounty counter is really almost no relevance to this ability, except that that removing all of the bounty counters also removes the ability. Oh, Nothing. Never mind. It's a duration. I was thinking about some weird stuff you could do, and then I realized it didn't work. So don't mind me. Um, <laughs> you 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 had the brew on, and then the brew turned off. Yeah, I was. It was it was a bit of a newbie mistake. Uh, but I, you know, I, I'll get over. Uh, oh, by the way, I did look up the Nicholas Cage, 
and I regret doing that. Um, <laughs> so, New Blood. Uh, this is card does some stuff that you don't see a whole lot. Um, it costs two black black. is a sorcery. It says, as an additional cost to cast New Blood, tap an untapped vampire you control. Uh, gain control of target creature. Change the text of that creature by replacing all instances of one creature type with vampire. Um, so to get the easy part out of the way, uh, the tapping of the vampire is an additional cost. So even if your spell is countered, you, you, have, to, you have to tap that vampire first as part of paying the cost for this card. Um, so here we have a text-changing ability. Um, so you get to pick which creature type word... Uh, to replace if there are multiple instances of creature type words. Um, the example we have written down here is great. Uh, there's a card called Boldmere Intimidator that you should look up if you have a, a moment. Uh, it says, originally, it says cowards can't block warriors. Well, now cowards can't block vampires. I'm going to attack forever. Um, alternatively, vampires can't block warriors. Um, if- it's less exciting. <laughs> it is less exciting. Um, if there's something that says, like, something about non, non-creature non type, like non-spirit something, you can change that to non-vampire. Um, the creature does not necessarily actually become a vampire unless you change the word, one of the instances of the word in its type line. Um and it does not impact the name of the card. So, uh, Relentless Rats does not become Relentless Vampires. Yeah. Although Relentless Vampires is a kind of cool name. Yeah, I'm, I'm into Relentless Vampires. Like that. Oh, I, I also really like the flavor text on this card. It's a, it's a good old Olivia Voldaren saying, Now isn't that better? Like, she's just, <laughs> here, to, she's just here to help. She's helping. It, it is. It really is. She's, you know... Why not? Uh, good, good old Edgar Markov. Yes, good old Edgar. Anything? Anyone got anything else to say about uh, text changing? I, I like the fact that I we have another, when we talk about layers, we have another text changing effect. Yeah, I was thinking that. It's like, I, I was sitting here like, there are not many of these racking my mind trying to think of others. So, I, I guess from, from text changing effects in general, you just pretend or, or virtually scribble out, like put a line through every instance of, of, you know, warrior or whatever and replace it with vampire. Now, but if you were to still copy that creature, it would be its original type and have all of its original wording because the copy layer happens before, gets applied before the text changing layer. So that's just mm-hmm, something, mm-hmm. something to keep in mind. And one thing um, to watch out for in this is, is after that, if you have another type changing effect, after the text changing effect, uh, you can you can get some weirdness. Um, mostly if it doesn't say like in addition to his other types and stuff. Right. Okay. So the next card is Path of Ancestry. It's land. Um, this is the the command tower variant for the set. Um, it is uh, it, it comes into it enters the battlefield tapped and has the ability tap. Add one mana to your uh, add one mana. Ugh. Add to your mana pool one mana of any color in your commander's color identity. When that mana is spent to cast a creature spell that shares a creature type with your commander, scry one. 
So uh, color identity is set at the beginning of the game. It doesn't matter where your commander is. If somehow it's in your library, uh, this Path of Ancestry will still tap for man- for colored mana. Um, uh, if your commander has color in its color identity okay. if it doesn't have color in, if it doesn't have color in its color identity uh it doesn't produce any mana perhaps do not play this card yeah um so and then it's got that it was like oh well i could tap it and still scry one right and it's like well no it says if that mana is spent to cast a creature well it didn't make any mana so you didn't spend any mana to cast anything no scry for you um the, cre- the commander's creature type is checked immediately after you cast the creature spell. So if the Mimeoplasm, for example, is in your command zone, you're looking at the creature type of Ooze. And if the Mimeoplasm, which is a, a commander that copies uh, things, if the Mimeoplasm is on the battlefield, you're comparing against whatever type, whatever the types of its, the, the copy is. Um, you do scry before the spell resolves. Um, if your let's see here, um, if your commander is in a hidden zone, now this is this is a little bit different. Where I said, hey, you could tap it for mana uh, of any color because your color identity is set before the game begins and, and it happens anywhere. The comparison that says when the mana is spent to cast a creature spell that shares a creature type with your commander, um, the game actually has to be able to see your commander's type. So if your commander is in a hidden zone. Uh, the game can't see its type. So, womp womp. Sad day. Yes. Um, now, if you control something like uh, uh, mana reflection, which causes when a permanent's tap for mana, it produces twice that much instead, uh, you're actually going to get to scry one twice. Instead uh, of scry not, two. Right, instead of scry two. So, scrying one twice means look at the top card of your library. You can keep it on top or put it on the bottom. If you don't put it on the bottom, well, scrying one a second time is not very helpful. Um, I guess you could be like, oh, I didn't mean to leave it on top. I'll just put it on the it bottom. It lets you change your mind. <laughs> yeah, it does. It lets you change your mind. Um, so, uh, but if you, if you have something like Marari's Wake, where it says whenever you tap a tap a land for mana, you generate an additional land. That's not actually that's Marari's Wake generating the mana. That's not the land, so you wouldn't get to scry. It's specifically like a really narrow set of cards, like Mana Reflection, which is relevant for Commander shenanigans. Commander, and it's relevant gotta, for, for what? Commander shenanigans. Oh, oh and then okay. I said Commander Nanigans. Command Nanigans. We're we're slowly making this Zach Brannigan. <laughs> Zach Brannigan. Commandigans. Commandigans. It's, it's undies for your commander. Commandigans. Why is it undies for your commander? I don't know. Just for some reason, it reminded me of all the me undies commercials I've ever heard. Because uh, it gets cold out in their tent in the command zone. <laughs> oh, with with uh, with Achilles. With Achilles. You can also yes. get a sweater like a cardigan. It's a commandigan. Yes. At uh, any rate. Yeah. Moving on to the next card. Uh, we have a creature called Portal Mage. Uh, that is a magic player who plays with portal cards. Um, oh, no. no. Uh, this is this is also prime for a portal uh, altar. Like, now you're thinking with portals? A portal, oh, like portal, like the video game like, portal. Yeah. I agree. I'm, I'm, um, yeah, I could do that. Like, you, so, you give her a portal gun? Anyway. Right, you just turn turn portal mage into gel, and, and uh, that cave becomes a portal? That'd be cool. Um, so anyway, when portal mage enters the battlefield... 
during the declare attacker step, and it has flash, so it can do that. When it enters the battlefield during the declare attacker step, you may reselect which player or planeswalker target attacking creature is attacking. I really like that. That that fits in very well with portals from Portal. Um, So it cannot attack its own controller. It cannot attack its controller's planeswalkers. But it can attack other people's planeswalkers or other people. Um, if If you cast it when it's not in the declare attacker step... Uh, that it doesn't have any legal targets and the ability uh, can't do anything. Um, and when you are reselecting, uh, you get to ignore all of the requirements, any attacking restrictions or costs or any of that jazz, because you're not you're not making it attack. You're you're just changing what it's attacking. You're not declaring but it now, as an attacker. Exactly. And when 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 this creature's attacks abilities don't re-trigger, which is kind of the downside of this. Possibly the upside, depending on how you look at it. Uh, curses that are attached to players also won't trigger again because the creature is not attacking again. Um, and if an ability targets something controlled by the defending player and the attacking creature changes who it is attacking, that ability uh, is, is countered because that... Excuse me, I'm sorry. That ability is countered because the target's now illegal. Because they're not defending player anymore. Exactly. That um, is a neat card. Yeah, I like it, and I'm I'm mostly excited about the fact that I can, you know, try to stick some aperture science references in it and go to town. Um, we'll mm-hmm. we'll see what I can work on with that. Now you're thinking with portals. Yeah. Um, uh, yes. Well, we got a a cat again um, with a stalking Leonin. It is a three three four two in white. It is a cat archer. It's not just a regular old cat. This one. Is, isn't is using phrasing anymore. Um, it says, when stalking Leonin enters the battlefield, secretly choose an opponent, uh, and then has an activated ability that says, reveal the player you chose, uh, exile targeted, target creature that's attacking you if it's controlled by the chosen player, activate this ability only once. So this is a, this is a lion friend hanging out in the in the bushes, ready to, ready to strike, and I, I think the flavor of this card is awesome. Um, so when it says choose an op- secretly choose an opponent, um, use use your discretion. Ask your play group what, how they want to do that. Um, when I've seen choosing things secretly in um, conspiracy before, it like we we had like sticky notes to write on when we made the decisions, and then would reveal those sticky notes at the, at the chosen time to prove that no, really, we weren't just making it up on the spot. Um, if you have multiple of them somehow, uh, you have to, you keep, please keep track of them separately. They don't all, you're, you're making each their own individual choice. They don't all have to pick the same player. Um, if it's bounced, you can, when you play it again, you can choose a, a new opponent to, to choose secretly. Uh, you get to cross off your sticky note or a new one. Um, if you didn't choose an opponent somehow, like... Um, something else turned into a copy of this card, and such that it never entered the battlefield, and you're never as a stalking Leonin, and you never made that choice. Um, you can't use that last ability because you never chose somebody. This <laughs> is because it's an archer. Immediately, I was like, "Do you want to choose an opponent? Because that's how you choose an opponent." Oh, that's that's why I said it, it, he's not using phrasing anymore. Oh, I like it. Yes. <laughs> 
That's how that's how you choose an opponent. Oh, this art just it, looks like it, just looks like a Skyrim character. Like it just looks like you know, Khajiit is not pleased. You know. Oh, it does. You're right. I, I really like the the art and the flavor on that card a whole lot. And I don't like. I'm not even a a huge fan of the cat deck. Y'all can fight me about it, but uh, I think this card's really cute. Yeah, it's a th- it's a three mana three three that's gonna that's gonna take something gonna out, blow something up. Yeah, it's a, and it's a really good it's a really good rattlesnake card. It's like, do you feel lucky? Right. Are you gonna, exactly. Do you think I didn't pick you? I know what I put down <laughs> here. Why don't you let somebody else run the risk? The next card that we're gonna talk about is Tefuri's Protection. Um, it's this the phasing card. Oh. <laughs> oh yeah, everyone's yeah. favorite card. So, so so this has gotten people pretty excited. Uh, for two and a white. Until end of turn, your life total can't change. And you have protection from everything. Not just some things, but everything. And all permanents you control phase out. And then you need to exile uh, Teferi's protection. You turn into super progenitus. You, you basically, yeah. So, let's talk about what protection from everything uh, means. Um, it's a little, it's actually a little less complicated than protection from rats because you're not going to be blocking uh rats aren't going to be blocking you um (laughs) so so all damage all damage is going to be prevented just straight up all damage is going to be prevented because everything you have protection from everything um auras can't be attached to you uh so no curses um curses will fall off also um if you have any curses on you, if somehow you have uh, rat equipment attached to you, uh, it will also fall off. Um, <laughs> attached to me help. as a player? Right. If somehow you get rat equipment attached to you, doesn't. <laughs> you no, it doesn't. Uh, you can still be friends, but it's not going to be attached. Um, and then that player uh, can't be the target of any spells or abilities um, at all, even yours. Um, now... Uh, you can still attack that player who has protection from everything, uh, and they might block, uh, maybe. You know, but uh, if they don't, they're not going to take any damage. Um, any uh, non-targeted spells or effects uh, can still happen. So if it's something like you attack with a creature and then defending player has to discard a card, you're st- they're still going to have to discard a card because it's not targeting. Um, and then, yeah, like I said, you can't target yourself with your own spells. Um, so that's protection from everything. Oof. And so pretty good. Um, not unbeatable. Like I said, there's, there's still actually a lot of spells and abilities and stuff like that that can affect you. Um, as long as they don't target. Now, what it means when your life total can't change, uh, spells and abilities that would cause you to gain or lose or set your, lose life or set your life to a specific value, they still resolve. They just don't do the part that causes your life to change. Um, My life didn't change, not right. even a little. Even even if something says damage can't be prevented, uh, your life total is not going to change. So if it was just protection from everything, and then you played a spell that said damage can't be prevented, and you know swung with a creature, well then that person would take damage, even though they had protection from everything, they would still take damage. But because life total can't change, no, they aren't. Um, see here uh you also can't make any payments that were uh, that require a life payment and then anything that has you uh replace or exchange life totals you can't actually do the replace or the exchange okay um 
So basically, all these things that do stuff don't do stuff anymore. All these Pretty things much. that don't... They try and do as much as possible, they just don't do the life change. Right. Okay, now, phasing. So, I'm actually kind of excited that, that phasing is back. It shows that they're willing to, like, go back and, like, reach into old uh, old abilities. And I think having everything phase out is actually kind of a clean, clean way of, like, getting rid of everything. It's kind of neat. Um, so... What we've said in the in the previous episodes, going way, way back, the way to think about phasing is actually just you just take a bowl or take a mug and just put it on top of the card. It's still on the battlefield, but the game doesn't see it. Why? Because there's a mug over top of it. Okay. Um, what that means in actual more specific terms in terms of the rules, um, uh, well, actually, let's talk. Things phase, phase in, it's the first part of the untap step. Um so before you untap anything, anything that's phased out phases in, uh, and then it's going to untap during the untap step with any, everything else. If your untap step is skipped for whatever reason, because this is Commander, <laughs> so untap might get skipped, um, nothing's going to phase in, okay? Um, because it's happening at the beginning of the turn, you don't have to worry about summoning sickness or anything like that. Um, now, phasing itself... Uh, details of the rules um the card doesn't actually enter or leave the battlefield so anything that says whenever this creature enters the battlefield it didn't enter the battlefield it was already there whenever this creature leaves the battlefield it didn't leave the battlefield it was always there whenever it dies it didn't die it phased out you know none of those none of those triggers are going to happen um they're never actually leaving right they didn't actually leave you took your mug and you put it on top of the creature and then when it phased back in, you just moved the mug, and the game was like, "Oh, he he was there the whole." It's time. like it's like small it. children and like you object permanence. Oh, the, you don't have it. Oh, the peekaboo game. Yeah, there's <laughs> no object permanence. Oh wow. <laughs> I just yeah. This is my this is the best way to explain it. If you can't <laughs> see it, it's not there. Right. Um. So creatures creatures that have uh, equipments and auras on them when they phase out, they're the equipment and. Um, Enchantments phase out too. This is called indirect phasing. <laughs> um, woo. Uh, now, a change from previous rules, if a token phases out, it will phase back in. So previously there was this rule that said like, hey, if a token phases out, um, it's not going to phase back in. And then it's going to get removed via uh, state-based actions. Um, if that, if like something like an equipment happened to be happened to indirectly phase out with the token uh that equipment would also stay stay phased out and uh, uh the most common example would be batter skull uh so now your germ token which would have a batter skull equipped to it if the germ token phases out it'll phase back in and it'll bring the batter skull with it yay good thing i needed um that. if i target a if i if i target a creature with a spell and it phases out. Uh, it's I, my spell now has an illegal target. Womp womp. Um, We're getting there. If We're you so gain close. control, yeah. If you gain control of another player's permanent, and while you control it, it phases out, and the control change effect ends or would end before it phases in, it will phase in under that player's control on your untapped step. So you slide the bowl over over to your, yes. your friend. Right. And then they're yep, like, oh, look what go. was under here the whole time. Right. The whole time it was my commander. Wow. <laughs> and then the last part is continuous effects that say, like, for as long as... 
And what I mean by that is, you know, you know, tap this creature, gain control of target creature for as, you know, as long as this remains tapped. Okay, well, if that creature uh, uh, phases out, then the game's kind of kind of lose track of it uh, when it phases in. So it's that that effect is going to end. Sad day. Sad and it doesn't day. come. All it right. doesn't come back when the thing phases back in. No, it'll it'll come back. It just the, right. the control the the whatever the for as long as effect is. It just comes back in, and that that effect doesn't apply. Right. And that is Teferi's protection. And that is some new oh, cards. Oh, uh, I guess I guess the last thing is uh, Teferi's protection. You exile it as part of resolving the spell, so it never goes to the graveyard. Never, ever, ever. So you can't cheat it back. Well, you can cheat it back, but not while it's like sitting in the bin because it never goes there. Right. Right. You have to jump through some hoops to uh, to get that there. Yep. Yep. All right. All right. Anyone else got any of the uh, cards to talk about? Are we uh, feeling good? I know Brian probably <laughs> doesn't want to talk for the next year after. Uh, after that card, all the information. Uh, I think you're uh, undervaluing how much I like to talk. That's fair. <laughs> That's legit. <laughs> I, I mean, he is—he he likes to talk, and I like to listen to him talk. He's—he's he's useful and educational. Just today, I learned about uh, Nicholas Cage Superman. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> always learning on this show. Oh, Jess—that's the nicest thing you ever said to me. He's useful. <laughs> it sounded like you were saying Aww. that with like tears in your eyes. What I think of, I think I'm tearing up a little bit. Jess said I'm you. <laughs> Single tear droops down Brian's face. Just, just one. All right. All right. Well, uh, I guess in that case we can go ahead and wrap it up. Um, Sounds good. Thank you very much for listening to us on Judgecast. Uh, I would like to point out that you can contact us by emailing us at judgecast at gmail.com you can also get in touch with us on facebook and twitter at facebook.com slash judgecast and twitter.com slash judgecast you can find our entire podcast archive at judgecast.com or download our podcast and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts such as apple podcasts or stitcher radio and make sure that you rate us five stars or whatever the, the highest level is. And feel free to send us your feedback on the show as well. Thank you very much for listening. Five out of seven stars. I'm just going to go ahead and sign us off with uh, I'm Jess Dunks and I keep it fair. <laughs> I like the question mark there. I'm Broken Kid. fun. <laughs> I'm Brian Perlman and I keep looking for what five of seven stars means. Five out of seven stars. Yeah. It's a great movie. Five out of seven. I don't get that. This is this payback for the Ghostbusters joke? We'll tell yes. you when you're so older. A... What? <laughs> <laughs> it's a meme, Brian.